Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hi, this is Frederick from Opeth, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi guys, this is Michael from Opeth, and you're listening to Talking Metal. The best hard rock, the best heavy metal, Talking Metal. A podcast hosted by Mark Striegel and John Astronomy. Available through iTunes and most other podcast providers. Feel the power, feel the glory. TalkingMetal.com Hey, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal, the Opeth interview. You ready for this, man? I am absolutely ready for this. We are coming to you from one of the most metal places in New York, Starbucks Coffee. Yeah, still at Starbucks here, ready to go with Michael and Frederick. Hey, it's John from Talking Metal. I'm here with Mark, and we are at Roadrunner Records with Michael and Frederick from Opeth. How are you guys doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Nice yeah. Now, you guys just flew in yesterday, so I guess you guys are pretty tired now. It's, it's not too bad. You know, it's, uh, I got a little bit of a headache, but it's nothing new. I'm always tired. I've got two kids, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing new. So we have with us the oldest well, no, I shouldn't say the oldest, the, the founding member of Opeth, as well as the newest member of Opeth. Michael, what do you do? You've had a lot of people in and out of the band over the year. What do you, what do, you do to welcome somebody to the band and make them feel comfortable? Basically take the piss out of them, you know, make them feel really uncomfortable <laughs> all the time. No, no it's just, I don't know. We just, you know, me and Frederick, we've known each other for a couple of years now, I think, at least, you know. Yeah. And... Uh, Basically, I'm, you know, just uh, want to try and make them feel at home. And it's we had so many lineup changes now. It's kind of, I don't know, I'm getting used to the whole thing. And I don't, I don't think anyone who's got into this band as a new member felt kind of out of place or anything. I, I think he probably feels welcome. But I'm actually, I'm not the founding member. I, I, I auditioned as a bass player back in the, back in the day, but then took over the band, you know. So. What, what I think is really cool is that uh, you've got 
the, the member, Michael, you've been in the band the longest, and Frederick, the, the newest member, but both of you have written together, uh, and, and on this record, Watershed, that's coming out, you've written all of the material except for the porcelain uh, heart song that both of you guys collaborated on. Now, how did you guys uh, you know, get to writing together? Well, Frederick, he called me up with riffs, and you know, we used to play riffs over the phone. And he play, had a bunch of riffs, and he, he called me up and played me some of them. And there was one riff that he, he, he thought was like a throwaway riff or something he wasn't really happy about, but I really liked it, and that ended up being the opening riff for the song. And then we kind of took it from there. Yeah, that's the way it was. Kind of, I thought of it like the one of the lesser riffs that I did, but uh, I was wrong. <laughs> So when you guys were touring together on tours like Gigantor, uh, you you with Arch Enemy and, and you with Opeth, were you you were already pretty good friends and were hanging out at that point? Oh yeah, um, I spent a lot of time at the uh, Opeth tour bus on that tour. We hanged out a lot, uh, drinking our beer, drinking all their beer and etc. etc. And uh, I I really enjoy their company. And, and were were talks going on even at that point about you maybe hooking up no. as a member? I, you had no idea Christopher was going to be coming back to no, Arch Enemy. At that point, I didn't. Uh, that I I heard about that in February, oh seven. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of felt it a bit when I did the last shows with Arch Enemy in uh, South America. The, the mood in the band wasn't like was something lurking on the air. <laughs> So it w- was it a, it was still though sort of a, a shock or a surprise when they actually came out and said that or no w- when I got asked to join them I, of course I thought hello they're brothers of course he want to be coming back to the band and he, I guess he needed a break to figure out who he was and do some other stuff too because uh, I know Chris did some tour since he was seventeen years old and I guess he just needed some time off and. So I had that in mind that it could happen, absolutely. So it wasn't a complete shock, no. When we spoke with Michael, um, he, he told us that, you know, that that you guys were still, you know, all cool with each other and that, uh, you know, that you had also known that it was possible that, that Christopher could possibly come back to the band. And I think it's cool that you guys are, are you know, remaining friends and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, what can I say? I mean, blood is thicker than water. That's <laughs> <laughs> a classic phrase. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, which also brings me to a question for, for you, Michael, is that you and Peter have basically spent, like, I, I, like about half of your life together, like, in the band. And how are things with him now? I know that you wished him the best, and, you know, are, have you kept in touch with him at all? Or is he, you know, interested in what's going on with the album? Yeah, I guess he is. But, you know, it's so, it's still pretty new the whole thing that happened you know and uh, I think he's interested but at the same time I, I probably think that he's he don't want to you know uh, you know we were very good friends and there was no bad blood between us at all you know once everything went down um, and he's working now he's got a he's work, I don't really know what the company was called but like an IT consultant you know so wow. he's making <laughs> making a lot of money and I think he's pretty happy doing what he's, he's doing and uh you know, the, the, one of the main reasons why we're, we're not together is because he, he wanted more time back home, I guess, you know, with his wife. And I'm the same in a way, but I didn't have any other options with my life, what I'm going to do. 
because I'm basically nobody who loves music, you know. And he's he had like a really strong education to lean back on. Like if something would go wrong with the band, he could, you know, he's he's I don't know, he's got a degree in physics and all that kind of stuff. I don't understand shit about. So he was always, I guess, one way or another, he was sooner or later gonna try and pursue that career. I think, you know. And while I'm a mus- I'm musician for life basically so i think he is happy with the way it turned out and i'm happy as well and uh, we're still friends we had dinner together a couple of months ago and uh we're keeping on t- in touch on email because everybody's so busy but uh, it's weird and it will always be weird you know um but uh i'm kind of used to it. my best friend that I, I started the band with anders our drummer he left so that was a big blow for me. So it's nothing new. It doesn't, you know, it, uh, the whole kind of lineup thing. I just want to have people in the band who love playing together, you know, and that's it. Well, I'm glad that you are a lifelong musician and, you know, want to continue the band because for, for us, the fans, uh, you know, that's what we want. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, you know, I, I didn't, there was no plan for me to, to, like, to drop the band or whatever. You know, it's something I've worked so hard with for the, you know, for such a long time, you know, I still think we have a few more albums in us, or whatever. And uh, regardless, if Opeth will quit existing tomorrow, I'll continue with something else. But I'm always going to be a musician. You know, that's just the way it is. Cool. And kind of back to the the new record, the ninth record, Watershed. Is is everything done? Is it mastered and ready to go? And when can we expect to see it? Yeah, it's done. You know, everything's done. We we're working on the artwork. So that's the, but the music is is done, you know. Um, the release date, I can't remember. I think it's uh, June the third or something. That's what I heard in the beginning of June. Yeah, you know, they, those gene, things always change pretty much. But um, late May, early June is what I heard, and uh, as I said, we were just going to complete the artwork, and then it's pretty much ready to go. Speaking of the artwork, is Travis Smith back with you guys again, working on the, the cover art? Yeah, he's done. You know, he's been with us since uh, our fourth album, pretty much. So uh, it's so easy working with him. Basically, just send him a few ideas and got great stuff back immediately. And uh, uh, yeah, it's going to look good. I think it's going to look a bit odd. You know, it's, you're still gonna, you're going to see Im- immediately that it's an Opeth sleeve. You w- we wouldn't even need a logo on there. You're going to see it's an Opeth record. But I think. There's going to be bits and pieces in there. It's going to be quite different looking. Now, I wanted to ask about uh, the track listing, and then I heard that there were some additional songs that were recorded that won't actually be on the record, namely some some cool covers like a Robin Trower cut and uh, and the uh, Alice in Chains song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what are you guys going to do with those extra tunes? I don't know really. You know, this is, you know the. Uh, Basically, I think they're gonna put. We're gonna do a special edition that's gonna come out at the same time as the record, and that's probably gonna have something on there. Uh, I'm not sure if we're gonna blow all the tracks on one release or what, what we're gonna do. But it's times like these, you know, it's, uh, you can't just do the album and then you're, you know, you have you have to do more. So we have done four additional songs. We've filmed, we've done a film, uh, all all sorts of stuff, you know. But out of the, those extra songs we did, I think. The ones that I want released first is the bonus original song that we did, a song called Derelict Herds. And then with the covers, I don't know what we're going to do with them, but uh, we, you know, we're going to, f- for sure, we're going to release them somewhere, you know, in, in 
any in some kind of form, but uh, I haven't really decided on that. Were you a big fan of Alice in Chains? Of course, yeah. You know, that was we talked about covers, and uh, for some reason we started talking about Alice in Chains, and everybody's like, yeah, you know, why not? You know, it's a bit odd for whatever type of metal band we are to do Alice in Chains cover, but all of us love them, and same way, you know, it was my idea to do the Robin Trower song, which I think most of all of us loves, you know. And then we did a song um, by a Swedish singer called Marie Fredriksson, who was the one of the singers in Roxette. Oh, wow. Oh, that's she did, she the, did the blonde girl? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she did a solo record. She did. She done a couple. She was a solo artist before Roxette, and she did a, a couple of solo albums. And she did one which I really, really like that came out in '92 or something. I've been listening to it ever since and always been wanting to record that song that we did since I first heard it, like, what is it, 16 years ago, you know. And now we finally did, so it's it's a good good song, actually. Is she aware that you're doing the cover? No, I don't think so, but she's probably going to be, you know. Somebody's going to tell her, I guess, you know, and that would be awesome. But she's, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of her other albums. It's just that one album I, I really like, which is a very depressive record. But I'm sure it's good. I'm hoping. Same with Robin Trower and, you know, Alison Chase guys. You know. cool. right. What I was going to say, I think it's very cool that even before the album comes out, you guys got a ton of touring lined up. And uh, I, I know, I think you have, like, a date, and then you're going on the Defenders of the Faith uh, tour with Arch Enemy. So that's going to be pretty wild. Yeah, it's uh, kind of weird, but it's going to be cool to see him. It's going to be fist fierce every night. <laughs> No, no, absolutely not. It's going to be fun to see them again, really. Do you think there's a chance maybe you guys will you jump up on stage with them or anything like that? Ah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Don't look at me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are probably busy. Last show, you know, goof around thing. I don't know. It might happen. We toured with them a number of times. Probably four times we toured with them. We did, the first time we toured with them was when we did Blackwater Park. And that's when Angela, I think, first joined. We toured with them one. And then we've done, I don't know, a couple of more tours. You know, I don't want to go too off topic, but you mentioned Blackwater Park. Did you record that at Michael from Dark Tranquility's place? No, no, no. No, we we lived at his place. Oh, you lived at his place? Yeah, we had, no, we recorded at Fredman Studios. And uh, we didn't have anywhere to live because it wasn't like a a studio where you you could live there, you know. And he was going on tour, and he had like a little one-room flat in Gothenburg, and we just basically rented it from him. So me, Peter, and uh, Steve Wilson lived there for you know a week or something. We lived on you know on a boat for a while. We lived wow. in rented like hotel rooms or whatever, you know, all sorts of things. <laughs> cool. So, so you'll be heading out on the road with Dream Theater. And uh, it's kind of interesting because when you look at where both Dream Theater started 15, 20 years ago and where you guys started 15 years ago, it's, it's, it seems like it was very different places, to, at least to my ear. But over time, it almost feels like there's some common ground there. Do you, do you see that? Yeah, well, now it's definitely like that because we got in touch, you know, and we're on the same label now. But to, to me, they were always a, mass, a big band, you know, because they were on uh, East West or whatever the record label is called, you know, big major label and we were nothing <laughs> on a small what we call boy room record label you know but even musically sharing some common ground yeah i guess you know we were but they never heard about us until we did the deliverance record i think 
well, I was a big fan of them since they did their second album. Uh, so it's only now, basically, that we kind of cross paths, if you know what I mean, and doing the tour together. And uh, it's basically, I've been aware of them for a long time, and but it was ultimately comes down to Mike Portnoy contacting me and, and saying he's a fan of the band and all that kind of cool. stuff. And so it's for, for me, it's like, wow, it's really cool, you know. And, and just kind of on that same vibe, there's so many different titles that I, when people talk about your music, that I see like prog metal, Scandinavian death metal, heavy metal, progressive death metal. Is there one that you feel fits Opeth better than others? No, I don't think, you know, it's, it's, it's quite difficult, you know. Uh, I usually say well, that we're just a metal band, you know, because for me that's a, a wide term, if you know what I mean. It means a lot of, lot of you know, what I grew up listening to, the metal bands did experiments back in the day, you know. And uh, but uh, I guess if you really have to nail it down, it's, it's going to be quite hard, you know, to get a like progressive death metal with some singer-songwriter influence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's quite difficult. I know you. I mean, you're influenced jazz influences, like a lot of stuff. And and you've said before that you know, you wouldn't want to just have to play one particular style of metal. And, and you know, you, it, I think it's it's a treat for us to hear all the different stuff, especially even, like, the, the stuff on the Damnation record, which which is, like, a total departure from some of that other stuff. And was it your idea to do two albums at the same time back at that point? Well, it wasn't actually my idea. It was I was having problems because I've been writing lots of, lots of stuff. And I wanted to do a heavy album a dark really like intense record and uh, but I had a lot of acoustic parts that I really really liked and they kind of went against my idea you know I want to do a heavy album but I have all these nice parts that I, I love you know so a friend of mine the singer from Catatonia my Jonas my best friend he, we were, were on the phone every day talking shit you know and he just said do two albums you know I was like yeah why not and we we the record label at the time that we were on, Music for Nations, they weren't too into the idea. And I was like, you, you're going to, you know, I was like, I want to do two albums, and but we do it for the money that you, basically you get, you pay the same amount, same amount that you pay for one record and you get two. So it wasn't, you know, it was bad businessman, I guess, but, you know, <laughs> I really wanted to do this. And artistically, artistically, you did what you wanted to yeah. do, which I think... Basically, right. it's not going to cost more. We're going to do it in the same amount of time that we do one album, and you're going to be happy, you know. And they said, okay, let's give it a go and see what happens, you know. When Deliverance came out, it came out first, and you guys did, uh, like, a, some shows, and then, and then The Damnation came out after that. You went and finished it off, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, we did it. I wanted them to have to have them released at the same time, at first. But they, I can understand the record label. They want to have proper, time, especially two records that are so different from one another. They wanted to have time to promote both records on their own, you know. So they said, no, we want some time in between the records. So I think there's there was like we ended up having six months in between the releases, which is okay, you know. But I want the original idea was to have them released at the same time, but. We started doing. We did a few shows for Deliverance, and then when Damnation came out, we did a tour for that, and then we did a tour for both records. And you know, <laughs> now, Frederick, I wanted to ask you: Are you still using Laney amps? Actually, I'm uh, going to start using Marshall amps. Oh, right, okay. It's uh, confirmed last week. 
good, cool. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It's GVM amps, which we used. We used Laney's on the record, and we used uh, Marshall amps and Mesa Boogies. But this uh, new Marshall for four-channel amp called GVM, that's the one. And, and you're no longer playing ESP guitars? I still play with uh, the other band, uh, my hobby band, so to speak, in Crux, the doom metal band. I mean, then I used my ESPs because that, in that band we used different tuning. Which actually the same tuning that I used in Arch Enemy, which uh, mean, meant that I didn't have to change the strings. What, what, tuning, what tuning is that, actually? That's the C tuning. You drop the whole guitar two whole steps. So it's not like a drop C. It's like the whole guitar is, okay. Two whole tone steps, four frets. What, what gauge strings do you use to, to do that? When I use down tuning, I use uh, 11 to 60. With the standard tuning, as we use in Opeth, uh, Opeth, we use like three different tunings, basically. Yeah. I mean, it goes mostly standard tuning, but we did last time was uh, open tuning, which was a drop. It was a drop D, D, A, D, F, A, E, I think. Yeah. Nice the G chord. string goes to F, and the B string goes to A, and the low E goes to D. Mm. And uh, with the standard tuning, I use same gauges as Michael used, Dadari strings, 10s to 52. Now, um, I heard that, that you convinced uh, Frederick to go with PRS guitars for the Opeth stuff? I didn't really, you know, convince him, but he could play whatever he wanted to, and, you know, but uh, I guess I, you know, proposed the idea, like, we're endorsed by PRS, you, you know, if you want to try them out, maybe, you know, and he, he tried a few of my guitars and loved them, and uh, it was just an email away, basically, so I just talk to the people at PRS saying that we have a new guitar player he loves you uh, he loves your guitars and he's playing ESP now but he want to try and see what you guys and if you can collaborate together and they said sure we'll send him a few guitars and the rest is history I haven't seen like the like photos of the guitars you're using are they a double cut or a single cut I only use the single cut because it reminds me of the Les Paul Les model Paul. which I always played basically yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you on your uh, website. There's the first photo is you with a black Les Paul custom. Yeah, and I, thought I was have real. two of those at my house. From one from '77 and one from '79. Ah, cool. This is not an ESP Les Paul on the picture. Oh, it's oh, it's, it's one. On, it's both. I guess it's one on the Eclipse ESP. Oh, which okay. I have too. Which are great too. But we had this. Uh, we, we used that guitar a little bit in the studio as well. The Gibson. The Gibson we used a bit. Yeah. It's an old Black Beauty from. 77, it's nice. EMG pickups, which I also use. We ever do I, it? I, I like to search, I like to experiment with guitars and amps and sounds. And, but I, I like this combination with Opeth, I like the combination of the PRS guitar with a Tremonti pickup, oh, which is more beefier sounding, and, uh, and the Marshall is, is working fine, I think. Will you ever do any work with uh, Jeff Scott Soto again? Uh, not that I know, no. Uh, I don't think so. But you should, ne <laughs> you should never say never. I mean, he's a great guy and a great singer and all that. But I think our musical direction is kind of very spread apart, as they've been in back in the day too. I always wanted to play more heavier stuff, and they were more into melodic stuff. I, I love, love melodies, not that, but maybe I was more into darker stuff, basically. And Michael, how about you? Do you ever think you'll work with um, Stephen Wilson again? I don't know. It's been, you know, we've been talking about 
that for years and years, you know. But uh, the last the last time we talked, uh, it seems like he's coming over and staying in my house for a couple of days, you know. And we're just going to see if we can come up with something. Because we've been talking, and even though, you know, he's been producing our records and he likes our music and I like his music, it, maybe we can't write together. Maybe mm -hmm. just clash of ego or whatever. <laughs> but uh, we're going to try, I guess, you know. It's interesting. I've met many porcupine uh, uh, tree fans throughout the years who aren't really into metal, but they'll, they're into Opeth because of yeah, the connection. Yeah, I guess, you know. But I think, you know, once... You, you get invited into uh, to, to Opeth, I think you're probably going to find something that you like. Yeah. And it's just on the surface, you might we might come across as a brutal death metal band. We certainly have those parts as well, you know. But uh, I think there's much more to it. So a Porcupine Tree fan could definitely get into our stuff. And I think Porcupine Tree have moved more in a metal direction during the last couple of years, definitely. From when I started listening to them, they were basically... a a psychedelic space rock type of band, you yeah. know, and now they're they're a have I would say a heavy metal band, you know, yeah, and with some progressive whatever leanings. Absolutely. Uh, there's Natalie. She's a guest on the the new album, and I also wanted to ask, what was the vibe like in the studio with the new lineup? Uh, start with the, the Natalie thing. Was she's the girlfriend of Axe, our drummer. And uh, I knew I knew she was the same. She's young. She's 21 years old. Uh, and she, for a 21, what I, I don't know that many 21 year olds that well. But my kind of uh, what I think about 21 years old and the music taste is not they're into classic rock and that kind of stuff. They listen to whatever what's on the radio. <laughs> right. But she is into like Deep Purple and uh, she loves Glenn Hughes and you know. Uh, basically the rainbow you know classic rock stuff and uh, which kind of yeah that's cool you know and I heard her singing you know she's singing you know purple songs or whatever uh, and then I had a party and um, both of them came over and they had a recording with them of a couple of songs they did together Axe and Natalie like acoustic songs whatever and played it to me I really loved her, her voice you know I was like wow it's fantastic and I was sober as well you know <laughs> And uh, so I basically, I, at the time, I had this little snippet of a song that wasn't really going anywhere. But I liked it. I didn't know what to do with it. But once I heard her vocals, I was like, man, maybe I can use her for this song and turn it into something special. So uh, basically, yeah, she came over. I asked her, and she was like, oh, yeah, you know. She came over to my house and did the demo, recorded a demo of the song. It turned out it was magic, I think and then did the proper version in the studio. Uh, and uh, regarding this vibe in the studio, it was better than... The first time we had a good vibe in the studio since 1994, actually. <laughs> it's always been hassles, problems, personal shit, you know, all, all kinds of... Just stuff I don't want to deal with, you know. And uh, uh, we had a few good recordings, you know, like uh, Still Life, I remember, was a good time recording Blackwater Park to some extent, but then it kind of went downhill. And the last three records been horrible recording. Uh, but the last one, the new one, was, yeah, good time. I was actually enjoying myself. I can't remember even feeling like, oh, I want to go home, you know, I want, don't want to do this. It was a good vibe. Everybody was working. We were disciplined. We got up like 8 o'clock in the mornings, Worked, 
until seven in the evenings had dinner and then uh, before midnight everybody went to bed so it's like discipline and everybody's working to make this record as good as possible that's great and you know it, it, you have so many fans uh, of your guitar playing and what we heard is that that frederick that really kind of helped you with some guitar playing stuff like just you were influenced by his playing a little bit on this record yeah, I, got, I wouldn't say influence because you know I knew, I, you know he's a, he. When I first saw him play guitar, it was in a tiny pub in uh, in Stockholm. It's like a noto- notorious kind of bike group place. You know, it was enough trouble there. But uh, he was playing a couple of. He was in a cover band and played uh, some King Diamond and Priest and that kind of stuff. And I was like, I knew about him from Talisman or whatever he's been doing. And uh, I was just wow. He had this. His Les Paul and plugged straight into the a Marshall and just wailed. You know, I was like, wow, that's you know, I was I, I like really good lead guitar players, you know, and uh, but years later, uh, I kind of when we started hanging out, I like jokingly it's like you should give me some guitar lessons or whatever, and then it turned into more serious talk, and then we started playing together, and he showed me some scales, and I wanted to improve on my technique. But really, at the time, because I knew it was going to happen, um, I was secretly, in a way, auditioning him as well, as taking, learning some tricks or whatever. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I had this new riff. You know, I played him a riff, and he's like, oh, cool. I was like, yeah, you want to learn it? And just so I, how, you know, he was adapting to playing the new stuff I had or whatever. Uh, and uh, I guess it was subconsciously. I just knew that whatever happens in the future, if Peter is not in the band anymore, he's going to be the, the first guy I'm talking to. So uh, I wouldn't say I was influenced by his playing, but uh, I certainly he's had the chops down and all the technique and everything. And now he's in the band, I don't really need to learn anymore. <laughs> he can play. He can play. I like to add also, uh, I learned a lot from Michael's guitar playing, especially when it comes to playing rhythms and uh, learning the opeth riffs are quite some riffs are very different from what I've done before and also the, my acoustic playing I had to work on that the finger playing I've done that a little bit before but I mean Michael in my opinion is really really good at that stuff among other things but uh, so for me it was I, I think I've become a better guitar player since I joined opeth because I had to stretch my limits a bit and develop uh, I, you know broaden my playing a bit I became worse guitar player since he joined. <laughs> no, that's not true. Well, we're getting the uh, wrap it up uh, sign from Amy in the hallway, but I want to thank both you guys for taking some time out to talk to Talking Metal, and we'd love to get IDs from you if that's possible. Sure. Okay. Uh, Is it complicated? It's like no radio station, like just, W. Just, just listening, listening to Talking Metal. Okay. Listening yeah. to that's, Talking that's Metal, to talking metal and uh, I am. Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, this is Frederick, and you're listening to Talking Metal for, from OPEC. Okay. This is Frederick from Opeth, and you're listening to Talking Radio. No, Talking Metal. Talking Metal. Hi, this is Frederick from Opeth, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hi, guys. This is Michael from Opeth, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Thank you, guys.
that was Demon of the Fall by Opeth. Those guys are great, man. Michael, Frederick are unbelievable. They're very, very cool people. And also want to send a special thanks out to Amy from Roadrunner Records who set this whole thing up. She is so cool. A lot of great people working down at Roadrunner Records. Our great friend Rick Ernst, of course, the producer and writer of the great movie Get Thrashed. you got to go check that out. Uh, just want to send a special thanks to all those guys and definitely to Michael and Frederick as well. Yes. Let's get into some music right now. This is Biomechanical, and the name of the song is The Unseen. I love this band. That was The Unseen by Biomechanical. A great band. I actually have a Biomechanical shirt that I, I wear occasionally, and uh, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, my band, Paisley Babylon, because it kind of had a yin-yang kind of a thing. But it was very, very cool. Uh, my friend Paul actually told me recently that he went over to John's house back before Eight Moons came out, and 
worked on some tunes with him uh, while John was writing that record. And then another friend of mine named Adam Rose wrote a lot of the lyrics on Eight Moons. He was not a member of the band, but he did a lot of writing with John. Awesome. I didn't know you were so connected to Biomechanical. John Kay, yeah, back with a whole new band this time. So uh, including an ex-bassist of Dragon Force is now with him. I forget the guy's name, but that's that. Anyways, uh, you know, we um, had a lot of fun jamming recently at Gibson Showroom here in Manhattan. Uh, A little, you know, since Mike from Dream Theater joined us, how about we get into a little Dream Theater right now? Absolutely. Let's hear a little bit of Dark Eternal Night by the great Dream Theater featuring Mike Portnoy on the drums.
That was Dream Theater off the new album, Systematic Chaos. Not all that new anymore, but but their most recent album. Definitely check that out. Use the link on TalkingMetal.com to go purchase that track on iTunes. Send us emails at TalkingMetal at Yahoo.com. Check out the site, TalkingMetal.com. Check out the forums on the site. And what else? What else? Oh, I mentioned that we were going to be airing uh, a lot of the Fuse interviews uncut in the podcast. Guys, I I know I saw some of you talking about it on the forums. Hopefully that'll happen. Uh, Fuse owns these interviews, so we'll try to work something out and get some of those to you guys. But I don't know if that's going to be like every interview. I I can tell you, actually, it won't be every interview. But hopefully a few of them we can air uncut on the podcast for you. Absolutely. want to remind everybody to check out Talking Metal on Fuse Friday nights at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific. Go visit our official website on Fuse.tv called Fuse.tv slash Talking Metal. Go visit the official Talking Metal on Fuse website at www.fuse.tv slash Talking Metal for some behind-the-scenes videos uncut video clips some photos some cool cool stuff yes please do anyways real quickly uh here's a letter from rich uh mark the show on fuse is awesome thanks for the metal but please stop talking over the jams and solos it drives metal fans nuts we are waiting for the hot solo and then you guys do a voiceover over top of the solo please shut up until after the solo Thanks, Rich. Uh, okay, Rich. Yeah, obviously the show is edited together, and, and we're, you know, not in the edit room putting it together. But uh, believe me, I did forward your email on to the Fuse people. I've gotten a few emails like this now, and um, I, I'm with you, man. I, I like hearing the song play out. But, uh, you know, without commercials, the show's like 22 minutes or something, so there's only so much time. And who knows, if they release it on DVD, maybe they'll put the jams on there uncut or something for all you guys who love to uh, hear the solos. Definitely. That Metal Mike solo, man, is insane. There's there's one part where he just kind of like, he does this like descending line. I don't even know how he does it. And I'm a guitar player. It is just awesome. You can see it and you can hear it, but it kind of moves over into a little split screen. Yeah, yeah you're talking about the Slayer jam, uh, South of Heaven, definitely. One more email, and then we're out of here. Hey, guys, just wanted to drop a line to congratulate you on the Fuse TV project. I've been checking out the video clips on the website, and I'm very glad you guys are out there doing interviews with some of the metals, with some of metal's finest bands, old and new. The metal gods will be pleased. I've been writing emails to my cable service provider about the possibility of adding Fuse TV on the current channel lineup. Haven't received a reply yet. For those of us that can't watch Fuse TV just yet, are there any plans to upload videos uh, to YouTube in the future? Uh, I'll let John field that, and then I'll come back and continue with your email. Here's what to do. Rick, thanks very much for the email, and I appreciate you calling your cable company. If everybody did that, man, that would be really killer. You know, everybody who doesn't have Fuse, call your cable company and request Fuse, and... If enough of you guys do it, I bet you will end up with Fuse on your cable channel lineup. But uh, until then, go to www.fuse.tv slash metal, and there are tons of clips up there. If you check the site out earlier and haven't seen a lot of clips, uh, check it out again because they will definitely be posting clips from all of the episodes. And what's pretty neat about these clips is uh, a lot of times they are longer than what you see on the show and sometimes contain some additional 
footage and uh, you know they're very very cool go to talking metal or go to myspace.com slash talking metal and be our friend uh, please do that we need friends everybody needs a friend uh, anyways Rick continues with his email here slightly off topic Mark, I checked your top 20, and I almost lost it when I saw your number 20 was Everybody is Crazy by Michael Bolton. Come on, Mark, really, please. Michael Bolton, my best to both of you, Rick King from Idaho. Uh, Rick, um, yeah, the, uh, I, you know, I, I, I put that on there for a couple of reasons. One, to push the buttons on people like you, because I just know Michael Bolton is one of those people who a lot of people don't like especially in the metal community, and uh, I, I like him. He's actually friends with my father, and he used to be in a band with Bruce Kulik. He definitely came from a hard rock background, and uh, Everybody's Crazy is definitely uh, hard rocking in the cheeseball 80s way, and uh, I'm not a diehard Michael Bolton fan by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I thought that that song was kind of funny when I saw it on YouTube, and uh, and not bad, actually. So, you know, that's that. Yeah, Michael Bolton had a solo career that was like kind of a metal thing, like before his current solo career, and then he was in a band called Blackjack with Bruce Kulick, and uh, back then when he was in Blackjack, his name was Michael Bolotin. There was like an extra letter or two in there. Cool. And uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I, not every, everything on the website, like my bio, I had a little fun with, if you read through that on TalkingMetal.com, and uh the top 20 lists that we put up every now and again, I always have a little fun with those, too. So um, without further ado, oh, John has one more thing to say. I got a breaking news announcement. Mark Striegel is not a metalhead. He hates metal, and he, he likes groups like Madonna and Michael Bolton. Is that true? That's not true, but I do like a little bit of Madonna and a little bit of Michael Bolton. You can edit that out. I was my sad attempt at making a joke. No, no, I'm not, not going to edit that out. But anyways, for the first and probably last time ever, here's a little sound sample of Michael Bolton on Talking Metal. Guys, have a good night. This is Everybody Is Crazy.
How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.